1: to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin and currently still the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Mobile. Happy to be down here still and enjoying my vacation. Just wanted to record a bit of an intro because it sounded like you guys didn't love the outro that I recorded for yesterday's podcast, which was no outro at all. Um, we just ended the conversation before we got to uh, the fun part of our question and the fun part of our conversation uh, from the other day. And it, it is a question that, you know, this is kind of an episode of Lockdown Beef with my co-host Frank Madden, also the founder of BrewHoop.com. And uh, I guess it's just something that i didn't know that we disagreed on and i think on this podcast it's pretty rare to find things that frank and i disagree on so it was kind of fun uh, to have an argument i believe by the end we solved absolutely nothing but it kind of comes down to uh just some philosophical differences between the two of us uh, on what you want at the point guard position for the Milwaukee Bucks, what do you think might be best? And, you know, maybe how this draft plays into it, how this draft doesn't play into it, um, and kind of how we, I think we both view this position going forward. So uh, I thought it ended up being a fun one because we we disagreed and that's, that can be fun. Um, normally we aren't the the takers screaming back and forth at each other, but it got a little heated at at a couple moments in this conversation. So hopefully you guys enjoy it. Um, Just a a quick note, tomorrow I'm thinking we're going to take off. We do have a special guest scheduled for Wednesday night. Um, I know both of us are excited about that guest, and uh, hopefully you guys will be excited about it, and uh, that'll be great for our thursday podcast so we probably won't have one on wednesday but we'll do thursday and friday it will be another draft guest so we'll be talking nba draft on thursday and friday uh, and then that should be our podcast for the week so probably an off day on wednesday but thursday and friday you should expect podcasts from us um, as i kind of get back from vacation get back into the swing of things and uh, frank and i get one of the guests that we've wanted to have on the show for a while so uh, that should be a fun conversation make sure you come back on thursday for that one with all of that being said, welcome to Locked on Beef.
0: You want to talk about sort of the, I guess, a more kind of general commentary about like something actually Buck specific. So, you know, sure. to anybody who, who really wanted Locked on Bucks and not Locked on General NBA, um, I guess we're making you wait until now. But um but I know we—I know people have jokingly uh, referred to it as our Twitter beef from uh, from the end <laughs> of last week, um, and it started with with you uh, using the word "shock" to describe um, your reaction to to when uh, in our conversation with Cole's Wicker last week. Um, I you know I made a comment saying that you know uh, a point guard would be kind of the top of my sort of from like a positional like if if you know you could uh, all all skill you know quality of the talent being even, like what position would you prioritize? And I said a a point guard, and you were surprised by that. So why don't you just start by explaining your surprise, and then I'll explain why I'm surprised that you're surprised. (laughs) Um, All right. So I guess kind of the way that I see
1: it is when I think about point guards, I, I, I just think I'm extremely leery of drafting them because they can really pay off obviously if you get a great point guard but i feel like one there's a ton of really talented point guards in the nba right now um and that there's pretty good great positional depth there that you should be able to find one and maybe even potentially find one cheap that could work out with you and then on top of that i just feel like the development time for a point guard is greater than it is for other positions in that generally rookies are bad right like no matter what a rookie is not going to be able to contribute but i do feel like a lot of the times if you draft a, a rookie on the wing that rookie can you know by the end of the year figure out how to make some defensive rotations be a longish body and you know be able to actually contribute and again it might not be huge but you can find a way to help them out there and then hopefully by their second year you should be able to find regular consistent minutes for them and i just don't feel that same way with a point guard and again i would assume you're going to come back with me and say well that's a position of the need for the future. Like you need to find one, and yeah, like going forward, that would be it. And I guess to me, the big thing is that I just feel like the Bucks sort of have two timelines right now. And this is kind of ironic, thinking about what I said uh, previously about LeBron and trying to serve two masters—whether uh, you're trying to, you know, play for the future or uh, play to win right now. But I just feel like with this Bucks team, uh, you have to find a way. Like, uh, to me, there's two there's two timelines that matter. One, getting Giannis to sign his super max. And that is the first one. And then the second one is maximizing Giannis's time in Milwaukee. And for me, I just feel like drafting a point guard and then expecting to play that point guard, uh, I mean, in the first two years, whether or not they would start this year, if you keep blood, so that's fine. But um, expecting them to play a lot in the next two years, I just feel like... Uh, would be detrimental to the team. Like I just think the growing pains from a point guard that has to have the ball and make plays and do all that, like going through those things, uh, can hurt a team in the present. Even though you know maybe three or four years down the road, that point guard does really truly pay off. Uh, I, to me, I, I didn't even think about a point guard. And I guess on top of all of that, I care about one thing at point guard off the dribble, shooting from the three-point line. That's it. I don't care about anything else. So unless that point guard prospect has that, and I'm confident he has that, I'm not interested. Like I'm just in a spot where I don't... I, and again, this may sound foolish and just like way too stubborn, but that's the only thing I care about at point guard at this point because that is, to me, what opens up the most avenues for this basketball team and... As I start to think about the prospects at 17, do I feel confident that there's a point guard that does that? No. There's point guards that I think could be good catch-and-shoot guys. I think there's point guards that could be good defensive players. I think there's guys that you know might be able to pass a little bit. But I want a point guard that can shoot threes off the dribble. And I don't care about anything else. That is my priority. So I, I just, to me, once you get to 17, I don't think that person exists. And I just can't imagine uh, attempting to develop a point guard and somehow get that skill out of them.
0: So, and you are so focused on that, that you actually went on the record last week talking about getting DJ Augustine and starting DJ Augustine. So that, that's correct. For, for everybody who, who's curious about this, that that is, that Frank, is, the you didn't ask
1: about the numbers I noticed. <laughs> Well, it, well, so let me, you well let, know let me let me ask cook? you this.
0: Let me ask you this. Do you do you actually think the Bucks would have been a better would have won more games with DJ Augustine taking all of Eric Bledsoe's minutes last year? hmm I mean, the Probably Bucks not, scored a ton not. of points. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks scored a ton of points with Eric Bledsoe on the court, right? I mean, but that's there's to, an argument to me, me that's more to Jason Kidd than anything else, though. That the Bucks scored a ton with Eric Bledsoe on the court. Eric Bledsoe is going to be fine
1: in a Jason Kidd system because he's uncreative and he can go and do what he wants. I think if DJ Augustine properly leveraged, which would also mean properly leveraging Giannis Tedakumbo, would have made the offense even
0: more, like even better. But what about? I mean, do you think DJ Augustine doesn't hurt you relative to Bledsoe defensively?
1: No, defense is terrible
0: okay I would totally disagree I think I think this this to me the first thing I thought of when I heard this was I thought back to like when the Bucks used to not get when the Bucks would never draw fouls and so they went out and got Corey Maggette and then like it was like oh hey we got a guy who can draw fouls and it's like well yeah but there's like 80 things to the sport right and that's like one of them and to me I agree like I want like the biggest thing the Bucks don't have is what you said right like they don't have that point guard who's like this dynamic crazy you know like the reason why we always say like who who would we pick randomly who could if we could pick any player to put on this team who would he pick we both say Steph Curry right and we both talk about like man wouldn't it be great to have like Kemba Walker right because he can kind of do some similar stuff right and like for what he could do like in a pick and roll with Giannis like both those guys could do like really interesting things but I think there's I think, like, the to extend that to, like, you know, the guy who can do some of that but, like, doesn't really do anything else, I, I think that's sort of, that's where I, I think we diverge. Like, I just don't, I just think it's still a sport which requires a lot more than just a guy who can shoot off the dribble. Even if you say that that's the most important thing for, like, a point guard with, with Giannis around, I, I just think, I don't know, I just think we're way over-indexing on, on like, what we don't have and kind of grass is greener um, and I think it's going to be harder to ever get this defense to pl- perform at a high level if you're like you know playing midgets who aren't good defenders you know just because you want that that off trouble shooting so I, I mean to me that's like th- that's sort of the that's sort of I think where we kind of diverge I, I just I don't know and, and it kind of gets to a little bit to why I tended to defend blood so more than a lot of people like during the season as well and I know that you weren't like you're not like you weren't leading the charge to tar and feather Eric Bledsoe, at least not till the playoffs, <laughs> which I think it was then it was understandable. Um, but like during the regular season, it's like, you know, I think like if you have talented guys, a lot of it just sort of comes down like the, stuff gets figured out, right? And um, again, even if Bledsoe was not like a perfect fit with Giannis, like, you know, people I think also just took for granted that he drives and gets layups like
1: very three or four easily. times a game, like very, very easily, easy.
0: right? Yes. like you know, like think back to the Brandon Jennings era, right? Like Brandon <laughs> Jennings, like could never get to the rim, even though he was really quick. Like yeah. if you, you know, there's a lot more to getting, being an effective scorer. And that's why Eric Bledsoe was, you know, ultimately a, a very effective offensive player for the Bucks, even though he didn't shoot off the dribble threes, even though he is not like a terrific passer or anything like that. I mean, he takes a fair number of shots and he scores pretty effectively, right? I mean, he's like a 58% true shooting guy. Um, you oh, know, he's he's a guy quite that- good. Don't get me. Again, it tended to work reasonably well. Now, um, you know, DJ Augustine, your example, he, he's coming off a career best shooting year in terms of tr- efficiency, right? So, you know, again, like, are you getting, he's kind of alternated efficient and efficient scoring from a true shooting percentage perspective the last few years. Actually, really going back to the last, five or six years it's actually it's kind of interesting he's like below 53 or above 57 every every other year it's pretty bizarre um but anyway it's like yeah i mean could you throw a guy like that into the mix and and could that be helpful it probably could be helpful but like i would just i would say as more as a backup right i would struggle to say like oh i want that guy as like my starter and i know you're not saying that's like the ideal solution but you know i think the hard part for me a lot of it why, why i come back to point guards is fundamentally like Let's say you start with Giannis and Chris Middleton. What you know, t- all talent being equal, what is the next position you want to fill on that team? Right, it'd be point guard, right? You would agree with that?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, I think it's point guard or a wing. Like, I just don't think you can ever have enough wings in the modern NBA. I would be fine with, if it was a third wing, but probably point guard would be the spot. But again, okay. like that point guard has to do the thing that I want him to do.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to me, it's like, I think there is some, there is some historical validity to what you're saying about point guards taking maybe longer to develop. I know, um, Kevin Pelton did a thing that it was actually interesting. It showed that, that short point guards actually peak very early in their careers and then tall point guards take much longer to peak. Um, and, you know, there are some examples of point guards who actually, who have obviously have took longer to, to develop. I mean, um, you know, Kyle Lowry might be a good example, right? A guy who didn't really become a great player until later in his career. Um, Isaiah Thomas, a small point guard, but really didn't, you know, kind of reach his peak until, you know, a number of years into his career. Um, you know, Chauncey Billups is maybe kind of the best example of a guy who kind of reached like all-star, you know, finals MVP levels after kind of being kind of very well-traveled early in his career. Yeah. Um, Steve Nash as well, like, didn't really, you know, it kind of took a little while before he kind of really found his found his wings, and, you know, that was not with the, uh, or I guess it was, right? Because he, he was drafted by the Suns, right? And then they traded or he yeah. got rid of him, and then he, when he came back. Um, so, I mean, they're examples, certainly, but um, by the same token, I mean, for me, it's like, well, the position that I think is the most important to fill ultimately long-term is point guard. And the other piece of it that I think matters a lot to me is like, look, if the if the question is between, like, a great wing and a, like, really shaky point guard prospect, like, of course, take the wing, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think best player available is kind of reductive because picking the best player available is really hard. <laughs> People, I think, just sort of be like, well, oh, just take the best player available. It's like, well, yeah, like... Who is you it? Would the, you would be the greatest drafter ever if you always knew who the best player available was. Yeah. Um, or even, like, 50% of the... I mean, if you knew the best player available... A quarter of the time if you could pick the best player left in the draft a quarter of the time (laughs) you would win lots of championships because that is really hard to do like at any given draft slot you get one pick out of you know however many guys are going to get drafted and after you and that it's really hard to make sure you actually pick the right one um but i think the the other kind of piece of it is like look if it takes a point guard an extra year or two to fully bake let's say um I don't think the the time difference is like what loses you Giannis between you know a comparable a comparable wing who you know again cuz obviously especially if we're talking about the like 17th pick we're, we're not talking about guys who are going to be like massive game changers right like like I don't again like if there's some wing who's going to come in and average 15 points a game and defend two ways well he's probably the best player available like I don't think the immediate impactness of this is Um, is, I I don't know, I think it's easy to sort of overplay that because, again, like, you know, you look at, like, a lot of the best kind of point guards that are currently out there, you know, it's not like they're NFL quarterbacks who have to apprentice for three years before they, like, see the light of day, right? A lot of these guys are starting i think i was looking at i mean most most of the kind of top point guards were starters at some point in their rookie years and obviously a lot of times those were on bad teams but you know they were productive nba players very early in their careers by their first or second seasons they were already really good right you knew that these guys were going to be great players by by their probably their second year in the league um and again like you don't want to over conflate like you know picking like getting lucky and finding a star with sort of what the normal growth trajectory is but um i think if you are drafting a guy who, you you know, again, like at 17, are you thinking that you have, like, a guy who's definitely going to be, like, a really good starter? I mean, that's tough to find at that spot or with any certainty. You're probably more realistic getting a rotation guy. But if, you know, for me, I, I do still like to go for upside. I, I, I Even as much as, like, yeah, you want to have weapons around Giannis in the short term, um, I still don't like the idea of just kind of, like, picking safe for picking guys who are like going to be role players because i think then you just sort of i don't know like dj wilson i don't think we said a word about dj wilson before he got drafted last year do you, th- do you think we said a word about Not dj well. wilson no. i don't think we did um and you know i think the bucks may have just looked at him and was like oh he just like you know he's like i got a ro- nice role player fit right because he was a role player in college and he you know shot well and he had some sk- baseline of nba skill but he was big enough that he could theoretically defend do you believe positions. any of that well not anymore but I think probably did you believe any of that I was hopeful that like he could be a, did you, you believe know, like, any of that, counselor well, well I did clearly didn't know really anything about the guy. <laughs> so did you believe any of that counselor uh, uh I mean I didn't I certainly didn't think he was gonna be that this bad right I mean I didn't sure. think he was gonna be like unplayable right I mean you don't yeah. like assume that's quite so much but um I, but anyway so I, I just I, don't I, think, I don't I don't like
1: saying I don't like the idea of trying to draft a role player and DJ Wilson being used as the example because there were massive questions about DJ Wilson. Like In his opening presser, I asked, are you concerned at all about his lack of rebounding? I think that's a pretty big red flag. Right. Also, we asked about, oh, why did this guy, like, not do anything until this year? And why in this year did he not really do anything until the very end of the season? Is that what you're drafting him for? Like, didn't we ask all those questions? Like, to me, that wasn't drafting a role player. That was was just a really bad pick.
0: Yes, that, I agree. I agree. But I think even the thesis on DJ Wilson was not like like that's the thing. I, I've heard a couple of people like say, like try to kind of put lipstick on the, the DJ Wilson pick by saying like, oh, well, he was really raw or like, you you know, it was an upside gamble. It's like, no, it wasn't. It was. <laughs> no. a. I mean, that's why I think that's such a such a scary thing that he didn't that he was like unplayable as a rookie or at least the coaches felt he was unplayable is that. He had like some skill level. It's not like he weighs 200 pounds. Like the guy weighs a guy weighed like as much as Giannis coming into the year, right? Yeah. And he makes shots. He's, he has some skill, right? Um, so the idea that like he, him coming in, like to call him a project, at you know, it's a problem. His, it's a problem. He is not a project. He is not like some risky upside. You don't you know, get to call a 21
1: year old a project. Sorry. No,
0: no, exactly not. And again, like I think you just call it a, a, a whiff right at this it's point. Total whiff, I mean, again, yes. like he's, he's young, but I mean, Buck's going to have to make a decision on his, and his team option for his third year, this, this October. I'm fascinated to see what happens there. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, 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 just generally, I guess I don't, I think like I, I would say my disagree. our disagreement is largely in that. I just think, a, I I just don't think for what the Bucks want. I mean, I, I think I agree with the general principle that the Bucks needs maybe at point guard are not as are different. Maybe maybe they have a lower standard um, in terms of like creation and sort of skill level than um, than maybe a lot of teams, just because of having Giannis and Chris on the team. Um, I think we've agreed on that for a while. But yeah. I think certainly there's also limitations to that, right? like when I mean Delhi is sort of like the was the extreme. <laughs> test case for that and i think you know again like maybe in a better system better coaching delhi can work better but like you're never gonna feel like you know paying delhi nine million a year to be like a starter is like a good solution in this league at point guard right i mean i i I just don't see that happening but just imagine
1: if delhi could shoot threes quickly off the dribble
0: yeah, well then he's a different player, right? Yeah, I mean I agree. Then he's a different player, um, and I don't know who that Deli is because it's not, that's not DJ Augustine. That's like half a that would be half of DJ Augustine because I just think Deli would gives you a lot more defensively than sure. a guy like Augustine, right? Um, I mean I think Deli gives you a lot more defensively than you like so, Walker, right? So, so my
1: so I guess where this comes down like to me our disagreement comes down to. Uh, I don't even know if this is really where it is, but I just feel like I don't want any question marks at point guard. I'm not interested in it. Like I don't want to figure out what someone is. I want to know what someone is. Does that make any sense? Like I, I, like,
0: uh, I think you pick. I think you picked the wrong sport. Well, I think you should. I think you should want the Bucks to just trade. Like, well, how open are you to the Bucks trading their their pick this year? Hmm. It
1: depends how good the player I'm training it is for. Like, I could do it. I don't I don't love doing it, um, but I could do it.
0: Yeah. I, I, I would fall into the camp of I am not a believer in the Bucks really probably ever getting like a star level talent in free agency. Um, I, and we've talked about it, it's not necessarily going to be easy to open up max space even if they – you know, let Jabari Parker walk, for instance, this summer, even if they let Bledsoe walk next summer, um, to have the flexibility to sign like a true max type player would be at least a couple years out. And again, in that scenario, I'm, I'm, I've just very much questioned the likelihood of that happening. So I still fall into the camp of, I would want to take bets in the draft and I would want to take bets in the draft on guys that could be really high level players. And again, like, I mean, not like, it's not like you're saying like, Oh, I want to, I want low ceiling players or something like that, right? But, um, but I would still, I would still favor. I, I still there is still appeal to me in saying, okay, if my if if the premium position left over that I just don't have an answer to right now is point guard, then I'd want to take a bet on you know a young point guard. And again, maybe that guy oh. like if it's like if it's Shea Gilgis Alexander, right? Like doesn't is not like a guy that looks like an obvious like you know trey young type off the dribble shooter type guy or whatever um i would still be totally fine gambling on a guy like that given sort of that he profiles in in other ways right like in terms of defensive switchability kind of like long-term you know long-term makeup other than that that off the dribble shooting which again like he could still become good at i mean he's he made a lot of, you know, he shot a high percentage from three, shot a high percentage from the foul line. Um, certainly, that could still be in his skill set, but it's not as pronounced as, you know, maybe uh, he's, it's not a sure thing, right? If if the question is it, I don't want I don't want to have uncertainty, then yeah, then that that's certainly not the guy. Um, but let me ask you this as well. So I know we've talked about Trey Young, but like, do you look at Trey Young as like, is he like a a guy that you would really bend over backwards to try to trade up for because he has that skill that that obviously you you know you would say you covet most in in a point guard and obviously he you know he's a young guy who we don't know for sure how he'll develop but he obviously is you know potentially the very rich man's version of dj augustine
1: yeah no if if he starts to fall i'm i'm more than willing to do what is necessary to go get him like guy, and again like that's that's the point guard that i'm willing to take a chance on and him trying to figure out how to develop. And again, maybe there's some more like jimmery type stuff with him, um, which is never a word you want to uh, use or create for the purpose of this conversation. Um, but I just, and again, I, I prioritize, like I said, i I've made this very clear. I prioritize that off the dribble shooting. And then I prioritize uh, just the knowability of, whatever i'm getting at point guard and like that's why with dj oxy again this it's a perfect example but not necessarily the perfect player like just the idea that i'll have that and i'm gonna pay 7.25 million for it that's awesome like that's great like it the to me my biggest fear is uh just kind of we both i think agree like how important point guard is and that point guard is is kind of that next thing that the bucks need and we can attempt to figure out where you want to move the sliders to how much they need to be able to create, how much uh, they need to be able to handle the ball, how much they need to be able to shoot, how much they need to be able to do that. Like We have all of those uh, kind of – I think we sort of agree uh, about all of those things, but I just – man, I I want to know what what I have there, and I – like uh, to me the the scary thing would be not knowing what you have there and paying a lot of money for it and that's kind of what the bucks did this year like they paid a lot of money for Eric Bledsoe and they didn't really know what they had like the the hope was that you know he'd fit in and it would work out well and when he started to play on a good team all of those kind of crummy things that he does defensively would disappear and that didn't happen and maybe it was because of the coaching staff and maybe this year he's going to be awesome under Mike Boonholzer um or maybe he becomes kind of a problem like uh like Dennis Schroeder did for Boonholzer in Atlanta and Bledsoe's better than Schroeder but it could happen again and i i don't know like there there's just kind of to me the the way that i'm moving around assets and what i'm going to commit to the point guard position like i either don't want to spend a lot of money and know exactly what i have or like I, if i'm going to pay a lot of money i i just need to know like i i can't uh, uh to me it's just a really scary position not to know what i have
0: and, and i would add again i mean if the Bucks were not horrendous with Bledsoe off the court last year, they they might win 50 games. Like, you know, again, I know we've talked a lot about this. I know this isn't like the be-all, end-all of like, you know, was, was Eric Bledsoe good last year? Um, but, you know, he finished second on the team at RPM. He was, I think, was he the same? I mean, right, right alongside Giannis is having the best on-off rating. I mean, they fell apart when he was off the court and a lot of that was due to that period when both Deli and, and Brogdon were hurt, obviously. Um so you're
1: you're saying the Bucks win fifty if Brogdon's healthy.
0: Uh yeah, but the Bucks also were not great when actually, well the starters were good when Brogdon was was starting with them. So that that was true. But I don't know if the Bucks ever really got into a groove with Brogdon I, as a six man. I would um, argue, if, that, if that makes sense.
1: I would argue that the Bucks struggles without Eric Bledsoe had a lot. Without Eric Bledsoe on the floor, had a lot less to do with Eric Bledsoe than it did with whoever was playing for Eric Bledsoe.
0: Yeah, and that's fair. But I mean, again, like, like we're acting like the Bucks. The Bucks were were pretty good when Eric Bledsoe was on the court, right? I mean. You know, again, yeah, like I'm, 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 n- I'm not like, here
1: I'm, to deny this. He's he's undeniably good, and I said I mean, as much throughout the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, they scored a lot of points and didn't give up that many points when he was in the court. And again, um, that was obviously probably a non-ideal <laughs> coaching situation. So, yeah. um, again, like I I think I think it's just an interesting. It's just obviously it's just an interesting situation. I mean, just so just for people who are curious, so the Bucks were. Uh, pl- they scored 111 points per 100 with Bledsoe on the court, 103 with him off the court. Defensively, 106.2 um, allowed, 107.6 with him off the court. So um, neg- a total plus 4.7 on court, minus 4.6 off court. Um, with Giannis, they were plus 3.5, minus 5.6. So again, like Bloodso actually did have a slightly better on-off rating. And, and again, like this is not in no way to suggest that. Eric Bledsoe was more important than Giannis it really just speaks to um you know the trade-off of like well they had nobody for two months basically they had I mean they were playing literally Brandon Jennings and Jason Terry as like de facto you know like this Uh is the smallest guys Uh on the court Uh for those periods so um so it was really it was really rough but by the same token I think it also you know speaks to like if you look at um let me just see where Brogdon finished last year where's Brogdon where the hell oh Brogden. Um Brogdon was a negative point .4. You know, like they were, you know, yep. they were pretty much a take it or leave it team with Brogdon on the court. They were better with Brogdon on the bench, which, you know, again is probably just because Brogdon was um, was not playing with the starters most of the year. Um so yeah, I mean it's just kinda of one of those things. And I think that's kind of something we saw the year before too. Like Brogdon as as well as Brogdon has played, it hasn't always translated into like the lineups working really well. I think, you know, Brogro obviously worked <laughs> well, but um, especially Brogdon with the starters, I think is I don't know if they've well actually no, I shouldn't say that. The Brogdon starting five did work actually very well last year. Um, but I think just in general, overall, like all the other lineups have, have been harder to, to kind of work out. So um anyway, I feel like this this kind of turned out to be way too pro Eric Bledsoe in a lot of ways. But um <laughs> you know, again, I, I think my, my view is if you have like talented guy and again, and I think you would agree with in general too, that like when you have talented players. They usually figure out ways to be pretty good when they're coached <laughs> they do. well. Um yes. and, but again Even like, sometimes when like, they're not coached well. Like yeah. sometimes
1: the talent is just overwhelming.
0: Yeah. But there's also the argument of like, well, you need guys who, you know, fit in special ways. If you have a player like Giannis, you want to make sure that you are developing the rest of your lineup kind of around him. Um let me ask you this question. Um, George Hill is a better shooter than than Eric Blood. So George Hill is also I mean, overpaid, clearly, right? I mean, his yes. value can't be high coming off of finals where he, you know, mostly stunk. Um, he's owed, what, $19 million and $18 million the next two years. He's basically unguaranteed that last year, except only a million. So he's basically an expiring contract next year. Um, I mean, if you could make it salary neutral, would you do Bledsoe for George Hill straight up? Um... Like, do you think the Bucs would be better next year? Would Would you rather have George? He's a little older, obviously. He's about like thirty two, I oh. want to say. But um, would you say George Hill Ugh. would be better next year to have on this roster than than Eric Bledsoe? Ugh.
1: it's really. Uh...
0: I mean, he's a better shooter, right? And yeah, I don't think he Really, is. he doesn't, and he doesn't hurt you defensively the way like an Augustine would, right? I mean, he's a much better player yeah. overall than DJ Augustine, I would say. I just
1: don't know what George Hill is anymore. Um yeah. like I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. Like if it was the George Hill of two years ago, even with that monstrosity of a contract, probably. But I don't know about this guy. Um one trade that someone had tweeted at me, I believe, was Hill and the Hill and the eighth pick for Bloodso, and maybe you throw in seventeen, so switch picks and switch point guards. And I thought that was interesting.
0: I, I would do that in our- yeah. Um, right. I mean, the the appeal for the Cavs is they would probably save a bunch of luxury tax money. Uh, well, it, it depends what happens with LeBron and stuff. But yeah, I mean, you 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 basically the Bucks would take on five million in extra salary if I or four sorry four million in extra salary. Um, and then and, an extra, but would, does he
1: have a second year on that? I'm trying to think. Well, George it's Trump's only contract.
0: it's only one million guaranteed in okay. in the following season. So effectively okay. not. Um. But but yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. Right. Like the to, to move up nine spots to swap Bledsoe and and Hill. I mean, I think again, I think again, you could make arguments to do that just based on fit. Um, and you know, just Hill being a potential better fit, especially, especially if you view Bledsoe as like, well, you know, he's three, three ish years younger. But I mean, if you don't have any intention of keeping Bledsoe long term, then I I mean, for next year or the year after, I don't even know how much it matters. Right. Like, do you think is falling off a cliff or, you know, both guys obviously have kind of injury problems last year. Blood. So actually was pretty healthy. Um, knock on wood, but, uh, but yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's something I'm, I'm kind of interested in. So uh, I don't know. Uh, we've, I believe this is one of our most official arguments we've ever had. And I think by the end of this argument, we haven't really solved anything. And I think we still see things differently. Is that, is that accurate?
0: That's, I think that's acceptable,
1: but it, the, okay, good. I, I, this is this is a rare thing i don't know how arguments end when you don't end up agreeing in the end of an argument does does it just go on forever like do we end the episode i I don't know uh, that's what we're gonna do
0: we'll we'll just wait for you know some point guard to to that the bucks pass on to become like better than whoever (laughs) the bucks pick and then i'll just say like man sure would have been nice to have that guy but but no eric wouldn't let us pick him (laughs) I
1: can't wait to do the inverse of that. So that should be fun. Um, All right. (laughs) That is going to be it for us for today. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you later.